Thank you, Caesar. Acts chapter number 3. Acts chapter number 3. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God is nuclear in the spirit world. The Word of God will change your life. The Word of God will shift everything in a better direction in your life. The Word of God is a difference maker for the kingdom of God. The Word of God is the reason you and I even know the name Jesus. You see, before the Word of God, even believers, uh, they all had a different doctrine. They all had a different sect. They all had a different ideology. That's why the disciples and the apostles were so important because they would go to the different churches and they would hear certain things and they would, they would see how certain things were being practiced and then the Bible says that the apostles would straighten those things out and then they would write the things down and they would send letters to different people and different organizations so that everybody had a general singular, uh, a singular consensus on how things ought to be. That's why the Bible is so important. So if you do not have a Bible, your first assignment when you leave here is to go to Walmart or to go to wherever they sell Bibles and buy you a Bible. If you don't have a Bible and you don't like leather and paper for some reason, you can do what I do. Get your Bible on your electronic device. Get your Bible on your uh, phone, your iPhone, your smartphone, your dumb phone, your in-the-middle phone, whatever phone you got. Get your Bible on it and begin to get the Bible on the inside of you. Because when you get the Bible on the inside of you, then everything on the outside of you begins to change and shift and your whole perspective begins to change. But the Bible is the Word of the living. God. The Bible is the change maker in your life. When Jesus is identified in John's gospel, it says the, uh, uh, in the beginning, uh, the Bible says that Jesus is the Word. He is not the, the idea. He's not the figment. He's not the, the doctrine that everybody else comes up with. But Jesus is the Word. He is not, he's not anything other than the Word. And when you can get the Word of God in you, now all of a sudden you begin to develop a lifestyle that is predicated upon what the Bible says and not a lifestyle that's predicated upon what everybody else thinks. So what else we're going to do through the summer is we're going to be very Scripture heavy this summer. I love the Word of God anyway, but, but I just I, we're going to be very Scripture heavy because what you don't need from me is a bunch of opinions. What you need from me is what does this Bible say about my situation? Because if you can understand what the Bible says about your situation, then you can uh, walk in the promises that are attached with what the Bible says about your situation. Somebody give me two amens. Amen. amen. Acts chapter number 3, verse number 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being about the ninth hour, or, or give or take, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Number 1. Peter and John, it matters greatly who you hang out with. Peter was with John, John was with Peter. It matters very much who you spend your downtime with. It matters very much who you spend your idle talk with. Now for me personally, I don't hang out that much. I just don't. I have a family. Uh, uh, 
Crystal and I have businesses uh, constantly studying and preparing to teach the Word of the living God. Uh, so I just don't hang out that much. But you'll never find me in my idle time hanging out with somebody that I'm not either purposely trying to pull up or believing God that they are going to come to a higher level in Christ or that I am literally having an iron sharpening iron scenario where I'm trying to get to know somebody or I'm trying to believe. But it's important who you hang out with because the people that you hang out with you begin to look like them you begin to sound like them you begin to talk like them you begin to walk like them if you were a, 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 a bar stool hanger outer before you got saved listen to me you can't be a bar stool hanger outer anymore you can't be a bar fly and act like you used to act and serve God to the highest level of your life you cannot do it I don't care what anybody else says be ye holy as I am holy. Be ye perfect as I am perfect. This is what Jesus said. He said you press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ. It matters who you hang out with. Jason and I, a friend of mine, had lunch the other day. And by the time our lunch is over, we're just sitting there uh, encouraging one another in the Lord and building each other up on our most holy faith. And by the time it's out, my faith is higher after lunch than it was before lunch because it matters who you spend your time with. Peter and John went to the temple. And they were walking in. Do you know it matters where you go? Three o'clock in the afternoon, the apostles were finding themselves praying and heading to church. When the doors are open, you ought to be in church. When you're walking around, you ought to be uh, thinking about the Lord and meditating. Is this okay this morning? You ought to be meditating on the goodness of God. He said, what do you mean I ought to be meditating on? I mean you ought to be thinking about the power and the presence of God and how God is about to change your situation, move on your behalf and shift everything because not only does it matter who you're with, it matters where you go. You can't go everywhere that everybody goes unless you're assigned to do so or unless you're going there with intentions. I've got great friends of mine that every year of the world, they go to Mardi Gras. They go to Mardi Gras with a group of people and they go win the loss and they lay hands on the sick and they get people saved at Mardi Gras. But listen, they're going to Mardi Gras with intention. They're going to Mardi Gras to win the loss. I'm not telling you that everything that happens at Mardi Gras is bad because I don't know much about Mardi Gras. But what I do know is you can't just go everywhere you used to go and think you can have everything that God says you can have. It's just the way of it. He is a changer of people. He is not a lever of people. He will take you from where you are and take you into a higher level. He will take you from where you are and put you on a different plane. It matters who you are. Excuse me, it matters who you're with and where you go. Number two. Verse two says, A certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the temple gate, uh, uh, which is called beautiful, at the, at the beautiful gate. And he would beg. He would ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Number one, we're going to have a number one, I guess, on every scripture. Number one, he was lame from his mother's womb. Did you know it's really easy to explain things that we can explain? So, for instance, I remember one time, uh, I had this uh, dirt bike when I was a kid, and it, and it was awesome, by the way, and, and I would ride it around, but it had this problem 
And you guys you might understand this, and uh, some of you ladies, if you, if you uh, like working on dirt bikes, you might understand this. Uh, but it had a hole next to the carburetor, and every now and then it would begin to suck air on the inside of it. When it sucked air on the inside of it, it would take off like you're giving it full throttle, and you couldn't stop it. So I thought the thing was possessed. I thought the devil was trying to kill me with this dirt bike. So I would ride this dirt bike and wang, 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 just riding, wang, wang, wang. everything was great. And, and, and I would ride, wang, wang, and, and every now and then it would start sucking air. And when it sucked air, it would suck gas. And when it sucked air and gas, that thing would just take a wang. You couldn't stop it. You, you'd have to pull the clutch and then wang, just scream real loud. But you couldn't make the thing stop. And I was like, oh my goodness gracious. So what I would do with my dirt bike that was possessed is I would ride it around and, and, and I didn't wear a helmet. Because what do I need a helmet for? I'm like 13, you know what I'm saying? I got this thing dialed in. Wang, 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 wang. Don't need a helmet. I wouldn't wear my helmet unless I knew I was going to do something dumb. And then I would go get my helmet. So we lived on an on a old rock road that there was nothing around. I mean, it was really just like growing up at kids camp, you know. Had dogs and animals and just stuff. And it was, it was really a great place to grow up. But, but I, I would go get my helmet. And if I knew I was going to try to do something silly, you know, I would, I, I would, I would have that sucker on. If I didn't, if I was just riding, you know, I don't need a helmet. What do I need a helmet for? So anyway, I went one time, I went and got my helmet. Because my, my thought was, I'm going to ride a wheelie. We had this big hill by the house. I'm going to ride a wheelie all the way up this hill. Because, I mean, if the guys on TV can do it, psh, why can't I do it? So I pull out, I got my dirt bike, wang, 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 I'm riding around, wang, 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 and the devil hadn't made it go crazy yet, so I'm just driving around, and I get that thing on one wheel, wang, I'm just riding it, man, I'm sitting there, and I'd already told my parents, hey, come look outside, I'm going to do something awesome, you know? And, and so my mom is like, don't do it, and dad's like, get the camera, <laughs> you know? So I'm riding that thing, I'm like, wang, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm looking, and now, you know, I was 13, you know, had a little vinegar, and I, a little vinegar in me, so I'm looking, and I'm like, woohoo! And about that time, that thing just took off on me. Wah! And I was like, whoa! And I fell off the back, and I'm trying to run and run and run. I got the handlebars, and finally I just got to let her go, and I roll, and it's a, it's a rock hill, and I'm rolling, I'm getting all whatever, and the motorcycle's just wang, it falls over, and it's just wang, yeah, 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 on the ground like that. I'm like, oh my goodness gracious! And I get up, and I, you know, I'm scratched up. Well, my head's fine because I got my helmet on. I had my helmet of salvation on. And I'm sitting there, and I finally get up, and I'm like, oh my goodness gracious, I made it. And I'm all, you know, scarred up and cut. And it's not hard for me to explain why I'm hurt because I did something so, can we say this in church, so stupid. But with God, it's the things we can't explain that bother us. Why is he lame from birth? Oh God, why am I this way? Why am I going through this battle? Why is my kid the one that this happened to? Why, God, I see this other family, it's never happened to them. Why is it happening to me? We can explain the stuff that we self-inflict, but it's the stuff that the world puts on us that we have trouble explaining and dealing with. This man was lame from birth. And they would take him to the beautiful gate of the temple every day and he would ask for money. The reason he would ask for money at the temple is because from the beginning of time till now, God's people have always been blessed. 
They didn't put him at the door of the strip club. They didn't put him at the door of the bar. They didn't put him at the door of the public library. They didn't put him at the door of Pontius Pilate's uh, castle. They put him at the door of the temple because God's people have always been and always will be the head and not the tail, blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Not only are we blessed, we are also the most generous people on earth. They didn't put him at the bar because if you don't understand God is the source of everything that you have and the Bible says that He supplies our needs according to His riches and glory, then it's hard for you to be a generous person because you believe what you have is what you earned and the only way you can have more is to go get it. So you've got to keep what you have and you'll live your life closed-fisted and you'll make sure that nobody's going to take from me and nobody's going to steal from me and you'll never be a generous person and if you'll never be a generous person, you'll never truly understand the blessings of God. They took him and they would take him to the place where the blessed people of the city would show up every day. Where the generous people of the city would show up every day. They took him to the church. Bless God. Laid him at the gate called Beautiful and he would beg for money every day. Who when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked money. Can I just say this? You don't ask money from somebody that doesn't look like they have money. If you've ever uh, seen anybody uh, or if you've ever been the person that's had to beg money on the side of the road, have you noticed that they stop the person in the car and ask them for money? They don't ask the person next to them who's also holding a sign that says, I'm broke too. You don't get blood from a turnip and you know a tree by its fruit. Peter and John are known disciples of Jesus and everywhere Jesus went, fish just showed up in buckets. Everywhere that they went, money would pop out of fish's mouth when Jesus walked by. Everywhere Jesus went, people were taking their coats off and throwing it on the ground and said, just take this, Jesus. Everywhere Jesus went, people were going and getting their prized possessions and bringing them to Jesus and pouring it on Him. They knew Peter and John were with him and he's the most blessed man that has ever lived, has ever lived, and will ever live in Jesus' name. So he's walking around and Peter and John are walking in and the lame man's laying there and he looks at Peter and John and says, Whoa, there's Peter and John. I'm, I bet you they got a little pocket change. And the Bible says that he looked upon them and asked them for money. And, G and Peter says to him, Peter says to him, fastening eyes upon him with John. So Peter and John are looking at him, verse 4. And says, look at me. I don't know, bear with me on this. If it's, if it, if it's a little bit different than this, then that's fine. Jesus can show us in heaven. But if for over 40 years you've been lame in your feet, you've been lame in your body, I'll bet your self-esteem on a scale of 1 to 10 is about a negative million. And when Peter and John walk in and he asks them for money, Peter has to tell the man, please stop looking at the dirt, sir. Look right at me because I'm here to bless you. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to talk about you. I'm not here to yell at you. I want you to look at me. The Bible says that God is the lifter of our head. This man was probably looking down at the dirt trying to figure out, I hope I just get enough that I can at least have a bite of bread today. And Peter looks at him and doesn't just tell him, get away from me, doesn't just throw pennies at him. He lifts his head and says, you look at me. He continues on to say, that the man gave heed unto him expecting to receive something. 
Expectation is the breeding ground for your miracle. What you expect most often time you'll receive. My wife and I, and I'm going to tell you something else. Expectation is a trained and learned thing. My, my daughter Haley, she's nine years old now. And, and their expectation uh, for mommy and daddy to do things is pretty high. The reason I know is because if they ask me if we can do something like... Has anybody ever heard of a, a little place right down the road called Spoons Yogurt? It like spits out like, like little pieces of heaven. And then, you, and then you go by and you can put more heaven in it. And then they weigh it and you're like, that's not from God. You know? but, but it's just amazing, you know. It's, it's a great place. So the kids like every day, they want to go to Spoons and they want to get some yogurt because they like to put it in there and dip it around. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know what a nerd is made out of, the little nerd candy. But they love the nerds at the end of it. They shake it all in there. It's disgusting. But they end up eating and they want to go to Spoons all the time. So they'll say something like this to me. They'll say, Daddy, can we go to Spoons? Haley, <laughs> Haley will say, Daddy, can we go to Spoons? And if I say no, she's like, oh. If I say yes, she goes, woohoo. And if I say maybe, she goes, woohoo. And I'm like, I just said maybe. She said, yeah, but that kind of means yes. Because her expectation is so high for what daddy's going to do that she's just looking for a little sign. She doesn't need a full-blown yes. She just needs to know the tide is turning a little bit. Do you remember when Elisha sent his servant out and he said, it's about to rain like crazy. Go look at the sky and tell me what you see. And he went out there and he looked and said, I don't see anything. Came back. He said, he went out there and looked. He said, I don't see anything. He came back. And he went out there and looked and said, I don't see anything. Finally said, now look real good. And he goes out there and he says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elisha said, get your ponchos, boys. We're about to have a Texas-sized storm over here. Because the expectation that Elisha had was different than his servant had. When he saw the sign, just a small thing. I don't know about you, but when I get sick in my body, in Jesus' name, never happen again. But when I have a symptom in my body, say I got a throat that's hurting or something like that, every time I swallow, I'm telling myself, it's not going to hurt this time. Gulp. And I'm like, oh, it's not going to hurt this time. Gulp. Oh. And I'm like, oh my goodness. But soon and very soon, something's going to give and I'm going to see a cloud about the size of a man's hand. I'm going to say, oh, that's a sign, God. I'm healed by your stripes. It's different when you live for God. You begin to develop a, an expectancy. This is just family, so I'll go ahead and tell you a little bit more. My wife and I, it's not a joke. We drive to the mailbox. Went yesterday. Drive to the mailbox. And I said, baby, I can't wait to get all these checks out of this mailbox. Open it up, it's nothing but bills. <laughs> But that's not changing my expectancy. Because the expectation puts a draw on the power of God. And the more you expect God to move, the more you subconsciously refuse to allow anything the devil's doing to affect your mindset. Because if you can win the battle between your ears, you can win the battle everybody, everywhere. Somebody say amen. Peter fastens his eyes on him and says, Look at me, take heed. Uh, he took heed unto them expecting to receive verse 6 then Peter said silver and gold have I none but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus rise up and walk now we're going to get to the miracle in just a minute but this scripture has jumped out at me for a number of years and only this week did it really come clear to me 
Peter says, silver and gold have I none. Number one, beggars don't beg people that don't look like they have money. So if Peter didn't look like he had money, the man wouldn't have asked him for money. That's number one. Number two, several uh, verses before this, at the end of chapter 2, the Bible says that everybody had just sold all their belongings and took it and gave it to Peter. So the idea that Peter didn't have money is crazy. It's absolutely insane. So I began to dig a little deeper because you can't just read the Bible. You've got to read the Bible. And the word have there is a very interesting word in the Greek. It's the word hyparko. Probably not saying it right, but I'm from East Texas. What are you going to do? It's the word have, or a, a close translation is have. But what it really means is uh, not at hand. Have you ever been to the store and you walk in and you buy your Diet Coke or whatever you drink and you set it on the counter and you go, oh, 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 I don't have my wallet. Peter says, I I don't have any money on me right now. Uh, You've caught me at a bad time. I'm walking around without my wallet here. Me and John were just coming to pray. We didn't know we were coming to give anything. If I'd have known, I would have brought it. But he didn't say, I don't have any money. He says, I don't have any money on me. He said, but don't worry about that. Because I'm about to give you something way better than money. Because the Bible says that God's will for your life, according to 3 John 2, is to prosper and be in health. I was meeting with a man this week. Very kind and gentle man. And we were playing with my kids. The man's about 75, 80 years old. He has triplet granddaughters. 18 months old. I said, brother... Triplets? He said, triplets. I said, wow. He said, I hope my health holds up long enough for me to play with them like you are playing with yours right now. He's worth about $20 million. And the only thing he can think about is his health. Because money means nothing without your health. That's why Jesus took such great care to heal our bodies. So the man uh, uh, looks at Peter, says, let me have some money. Peter says, man, I left my wallet, but I'm going to give you something better than money. And the Bible says that he said to him, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Did you know that one of the most well-used words in all of Hollywood is the name of our Lord, but they don't use it in a way that is giving Him honor and praise. They use Him like a cuss word. They kick their toe and they say, Jesus Christ. I was, I was uh, walking into a room the other day and somebody bumped into a wall or something. I don't remember what it was. It was something. And they just went, Jesus Christ. And I'm like, is he here? Rapture? We out of here? So many times in our life, we forget about how powerful that name is. So what the devil has done is he's tried to desensitize the world to the name of Jesus. Have you ever heard anybody kick their toe and go, Muhammad? Have you ever seen anybody with a hammer? This is a pretty good hammer. Going away, bang, bang, boom, Buddha. 
wrong. The devil is working overtime to desensitize the world to the name of Jesus so that when they hear the name of Jesus, they can think of him as something other than the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace and the Son of God. But you and I, we know. We have the inside track. I just want you to get real comfortable and confident to use that name. I remember one time I was at my grandparents' church. My grandfather and grandmother pastored for about 60 years together. About 60 years together. Little bitty church by the time it was over because, bless God, most of, them, most of the people had gone to heaven already. And they would do a lot of different things. They have, you know, testimony time. My grandfather would stand up there. He was a very large Marine. He was a boxer. He had hands like anvils. He would stand on that wooden pulpit. And he would say, Does anybody have anything to testify of the goodness of God? This little old woman stood up. And she said, I was in my garden. And I was raking some mulch. And I looked over, and when I pulled the rake, I pulled a copperhead right at me, almost right at my leg. And all I could do was yell, Jesus! She said, and I moved away from that snake before it bit me. And I just want to give God all the honor and all the glory, because that snake could have bit me on the foot. And I'll be honest with you, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, lady, come on. That's just what the devil wants. He wants us so desensitized to the name of Jesus that we don't use it like a nuclear weapon. We don't use that name like it really is above every name that can be named. When my kids come to me and we begin to pray over things, I use the name of Jesus about 800 times because I want every devil in hell knowing who I'm praying through. So I'm asking you this week, to put the name of Jesus on your situation. Peter could have done it maybe any other way. I don't know. The Bible says later on, his shadow just starts healing people. But the first miracle we see after the day of Pentecost is whenever Peter and John walk into church and they're sitting there and there's a man who can't explain why he's sick. He doesn't understand why he's sick. The Bible said he'd been sick for over 40 years. He was born that way. It's not like he was riding his dirt bike and he hurt himself. He was just sick. The world had messed him up. It was a terrible situation. And instead of walking around and throwing handkerchiefs on him or saying, just get in my shadow, he looks at him and says, in the name of of Jesus Christ of Nazareth arise use the name of Jesus don't be ashamed of the name of Jesus don't be slow to use the name have you ever noticed that it's like a it's like a lot of times like the best thing is like the last thing we do I remember one time and it's just another silly story I guess because I got stories I don't know but I was riding my four-wheeler out in the woods and I got my stuck truck, my, got my stuck truck, got my truck stuck. It's hard to get your stuck truck. But when you do, whew. So I'm sitting out there, me and my friend, his name was Brian too. And I'm trying to get this truck out. We've used the four-wheeler. We've got to come along. We've done everything we could do to try to get this thing out. Can't do it. And finally, this is a true story. 
I just said, man, I don't know what to do. Let's just pray. I lay my hands on that truck. In the name of Jesus, like five hours we've been in this mud hole. In the name of Jesus, come out. And said, we'll try it again. Whoa, whoa, I got out. I'm like, man. And I look at him, I said, buddy, I said, why didn't we pray first? <laughs> I don't know if Jesus pushed my truck out. I don't know. But I can tell you when I prayed, it moved. Before I did, it didn't. In your life and in my life, let's just use the best thing first. He took him by the right hand, lifted him up. Immediately, his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered, in, entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Immediately? Really? That's what you decided to write? Forty years he's been sick and you call it immediately? Forty years does not sound immediately to me, but it was an immediately tight moment. I don't know if you've been sick for 40 years. I don't know if you've been in trouble for 40 years. I don't know if your mind has been messed up for 40 years. But soon and very soon, your immediately is going to come to pass and everything's going to shift and change. And the only thing you'll have left to do is leap and thank God. How many times did he have the opportunity to question God? Why didn't he tell them, quit putting me at church? Stop taking me to the house of God? Because it doesn't matter how long you've been dealing with your situation, Jesus is still the answer. Sometimes I've seen God do things very quickly. Other times I've seen patience have to persevere in order for things to break. But whether you deal with it for 40 seconds or 40 minutes, I just want you to press and not quit. Four keys and then I'm done. Number one, be with the right people. If you don't have a covenant friend, somebody sitting next to you would be a great start. Be with the right people. And be the right person. Find somebody to encourage in the Lord today. And I'm not just talking about positive thinking. I'm talking about the name that's above every name that can be named. Did you know everybody around you is dealing with something? Most of us just wear our mask really well. We don't say it. I don't think you should give voice to everything you're dealing with personally. I don't. I don't. There's things I'll go through that nobody will ever know except maybe my wife. Because I don't give any credence to the devil or anything he's trying to do to me. Be the right person and be with the right people. It doesn't mean we don't evangelize. It doesn't mean we don't go out. But it means when I'm, when I'm just talking, I'm talking to somebody. I know I've said this before, but down around the coast, they've got these big tanks of crabs after they go catch them out of the crab boats and you'll see a crab will almost get out he'll climb up the side with his legs and his claws and he'll be about to be on the dock and then somebody one of those silly crabs down below will grab him by the leg and pull him back in some of you hanging around too many crabby people if the water cooler's not a good place bless God bring your own water if the break room's not a good place bless God eat in your car if you don't have a car find a shade tree if you don't have a shade tree, get a different job. <laughs> Be around the right people, number two. 
look to the right people. The Bible says that he looked at Peter and John. There's a lot of voices in this world, but it's very important who's speaking into your life. If they do not use the Bible as the primary source for their information, stop listening to them. There's plenty of people on television, on on uh, radio on, that you can listen to that'll speak life into you. But if, if they're just spewing hate, listen, I, I know there's pundits out there and there's talking heads on every different channel and, and they can say the thing that gets your nerve going because they're paid to do it. But you find somebody that teaches and preaches from this Word and you listen to them, then you be that to somebody else. Somebody's going to come to you this week with a problem. That's why you study your Bible. That's why you read it. So to the right season, the right time, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. The Bible says that we're to be washed with the water of the Word. That rules rivers of living water. That's the Word of God coming out of you so somebody else can be nourished. Number three, be in the right place. They took Him every day to church. I'm so ready to have our building. We might have church seven days a week for the first year. But you be in the right place. There's another man the Bible said next to a pool called the Pool of Bethesda. He was also called a certain man. And Jesus walked up. said, would you like to be healed? And he said, well, I don't have anybody throw me in the water. Because the story was that an angel would come down and trouble the water. And the first person that got in would be healed of whatever their calamity or sickness was. So he says to him, he says, yeah. He said, I understand you don't have anybody throw in there. But, but see, uh, I'm the well and I'm living water. And if you drink from me, you'll never thirst again. That's what he could have said. He ended up saying that to a lady at a well at a different time, Samaritan woman. But he didn't know he was staring at the water that was troubled. But he was next to the water that would remove all your trouble. He was at the right place the right time sometimes the right time is real easy to see sometimes it's not sometimes it's just right foot left foot right foot left foot right foot left foot before you know it you're at your destination but if you stop walking you're never going to get there be in the right place the right time be in church be in the house of God be around the people of God number four everybody stand to your feet I'm going to give you number four number four Be in the right place. Be around the right people. Number four, don't quit. Just don't quit. Just don't stop. You may get knocked backwards a little bit. You may make some bad decisions, but don't quit. You may do something you shouldn't have done. You may be around something you shouldn't be around. You may experience something you shouldn't have experienced. But don't quit. I've been in this too long. I know for a fact that every trial you may uh, experience and everything that comes against you, it's just better with Jesus than it is without Him. I'd love to just tell you that everything's going to be peachy. But the Bible says that He is the lily among thorns. Some of us have to walk through some thorns if we're going to stay next to Him. It's better with Jesus. Old timers used to say it like this. I'd rather have Jesus. 
Don't quit. Don't quit tomorrow. Listen to me. If Johnny quits, you don't quit. If I quit, you don't quit. I'm not going to quit and neither is Johnny. But you don't let your faith be predicated upon somebody else. You let your faith be predicated on the Son of the living God who hung from a tree and paid your price. Don't quit. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we receive this word today deep in our being that you in fact are the answer and not the problem. You in fact are the healer and not the afflictor. You in fact are the releaser and not the one who binds. So Father, I thank you that each one of us are going to be built up this week on our most holy faith. That we will live for you we will press towards the mark. We will not grow weary and in due season we will reap. Now with every head bowed and eye closed, if you're in the building today, you say, I'm not living right, I'm not doing right.